0: Let's take up our Bibles together again this morning. If you would open with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 5. We look to this section. Once again, if you will allow me to read from verse 5 through verse 14 context, will be readily at hand in our minds and hearts as I preach this final verse of this chapter. Chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you as he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Would you pray with me this morning as we prepare our hearts for God's word? Our Father, we thank you that you have dictated this word, that you have innervated it with your power, You have inspired it. You have literally expired this word and given it to us, Lord, and we thank you for it. We ask your blessing upon it as only you can bless your own word, and we ask, Lord, that you empower it as you have claimed and as you have promised and as you have shown us that that is true. Affect us, your people, with your word today instill in us a great and yearning desire, Lord, to grow in you, to advance in you, and to be pleasing to you in that work. Lord God, be our teacher this day. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. It is certainly true that all men start ignorant The form of a baby, each one, is ignorant. They have no knowledge of the world that they have just been born into, and everything must be then learned. The child comes into the world, many times ushered in by a healthy swat on the rear. They don't know why they are being swatted, but they come to find in maturity that it was to clear their lungs, and help them breathe. Pain, welcome to life. That is a lesson oft learned, but much rebelled against, may I have an amen. Here we find Ignorant mankind in need of a high priest. That even for his own people Israel, God granted them a high priest to minister to them in their ignorance. He made him of themselves, of manhood, of their own people. Saying in chapter 5, verse 2, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also beset by weakness. This laid the foreshadowing display of the great high priest that God had intended through all time to bring to this people and the entire world and to the church a new high priest. A high priest, yes, from among men. This Jesus who in his humanity fulfills the role of a man in weakness. And in that weakness, he ministers to us in our ignorance and delivers us from that ignorance. This topic of his priesthood of the order of Melchizedek is in Hebrews, and it will be taught to the greatest and highest level Theologically possible by the superintending of God's Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews, and we are preparing to enter in. But before we enter in, the writer of Hebrews calls attention. He draws his listeners back in, the readers of Scripture, somewhat harshly. We could call it a good swat on the rear end, to clear the passageways and prepare the learning from babyhood to maturity. God has admonished and censored these people first for their dullness of hearing, He says, I want to teach you about Jesus, the high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And there's much, much to say, but I'm worried about you because it's hard to explain and you have willingly become dull of hearing. You've made yourself insensitive to adding more doctrine to Jesus than you already have. I'm here to swat you to move you, perhaps to cause you to cry out for some learning. He has censored them for having an infantile mindset. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles or the ABCs of the oracles of God. Not only can't you read right, you need to do the alphabet again. And have come to need milk and not solid food. But then he starts to turn the corner back toward more teaching and deeper teaching. And some of the deepest teaching of the Bible that confounds people the most is going to be found in the first eight verses of chapter 6, but we're not there yet. These must needs precede it. Why? Because God said these words first. They are preparatory for what will come in chapter 6 and following. And so now we turn the corner to the path of maturity that is being commended to them, these who have just been called big babies, These who have just been called uh, the willingly infantile that are sticking their fingers in their ear and doing the old and well-known routine of la, 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 I can't hear you. Calling them to return their fingers to their appendages and use them in a useful way, turning the pages of their Bibles and listening to God. So the path of maturity is now commended in verses 13 and 14, and it is commended, if you will, somewhat from the negative, but in hopes that you will see it as a positive. He began, for everyone who partakes, partakes of only milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, for he is a babe. And last week we saw the results of A milk diet. And that even in the evangelical church of our own day, we see that so many have been looking for the milk diets that are out there in proliferation. Whether it be from the world of the book market. Whether it be online. You know, one of the best things that ever happened online was the blog. One of the worst things that ever happened online was the blog. I think people get blogged down in them. Who are these people that are teaching? And what are they teaching? And are they teaching more than just Christian fadisms? More little things? More things to tickle the fancy of those who are infantile in their Christian walk? Or are they actually teaching the deep truths of the faith? We have looked in the first place that a sign of growing and seeking after maturity is that you have developed an increased appetite for doctrine, for the teachings, an increased appetite of doctrine to know and learn and be taught by God and be taught by those whom he has given you so that you grow out of your childhood into maturity. It is the essence of discipleship, which is, of course, growth. Growing out of an infantile taste for simplistic things and developing a refined palate for the Word of God that can savor the deeper truths. Today I turn to the second sign of progressing in maturity, If you want to know if you're progressing in maturity, first you have developed an increased appetite for doctrine. If somebody's teaching good things, you want to hear it and know it. The second sign of progressing in maturity is a strong desire for personal growth. A strong desire for personal growth. We read this in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 5. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, full age. Solid food, not baby food, not milk, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. You need to get off the similac and get on to the steak, get on to the vegetables. Yes, even lima beans. And there are some doctrines that are like lima beans to me. They're a little bit hard to take they're a little chewy it's like well why is this good for me some of you are out there there's got to be one saying well i like lima beans well great <laughs> but concerning the word of god this metaphor only goes so far but some of the doctrines need to be welcomed even if they taste a little bit like lima beans or your ever favorite food you can join a president in disliking broccoli if you would like but indeed eat it you shall if you are desiring personal growth but solid food belongs to those who are of full age now our english says full age and it is interesting to find where this Greek word has also appeared a number of times previously concerning Jesus Christ. The Hebrew root is teleos. Teleao, the verb. Full age is a good definition of the Greek term teleos. Humans are born as babies, and they must grow to completion, to maturity. When they don't do that, we know something is wrong with them. Concerning Christians, they start as babies, the new birth, and then they are to grow to spiritual maturity. If they do not do that, then there is something wrong with them. Either they aren't real Christians, or they are infantile and need to be driven to maturity by a good swat. Well, you're getting my means here. This word, teleos, that we have here as full age for human Christians, was used of Jesus Christ in this very chapter in verse 9. Speaking of Jesus in his humanity, we read this, And having been perfected, he became the author of salvation to all who obey him. Having been perfected, having come to full age, humanly speaking. uh, What are we speaking about? We're speaking about verse 8 and verse 7. In verse 8 we read, and though he was a son, though he was even the very son of God, he was a possessor of all deity, yet in his deity being sent by God to minister to humanity and to take on the role of the high priest of the order of Melchizedek to ignorant men. He came and lived as a man, not operating his divine attributes, but setting them aside to walk Absolutely, as a man. And so, this was his lot. This was his lot. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. By the things which he suffered, suffering all things, humanly speaking, from the very beginning of his life with that cold swat that got him going and breathing all the way through until the cross where he died in our place for sins, he learned obedience to God. What God had sent him to do, that he did. And he learned obedience to God and came to full age, humanly speaking. Speaking directly of the cross, even turning back just briefly to chapter 2, verse 10, we found this word teleos used again of Christ in verse 10. Let me pick it up here. The humanity of Jesus emphasized in verse 9 of chapter 2, Hebrews. But we see Jesus, listen, who was made a little lower than the angels. That's only in his humanity for why was he made lower than the angels why was he made in human form for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he may that he by the grace of god might taste death for everyone now listen for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the author of their salvation perfect. Teleos, full age, mature, complete through sufferings. He grew. The first disciple of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son who learned from him as a human learns, and so can relate to you as a high priest. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, verse 15 of chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are yet without sin. He knows you. He understands temptations. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace for help in time of need because we have a high priest, human of the order of Melchizedek. Are you listening and learning? This is the full age doctrine, the meat which which you need to chew and be ready to digest. Every meaning of this, every uh, diagnosis of the meaning of this word teleos and teliao, means to mature, means to come to a completion, means to become fully developed, means and carries with it a component and a purpose that is achieved through progress, a progress of maturity. The Christian walk is a walk like the walk of Christ in His humanity, gradually learning under the final usefulness, growing. That is those who are of full age. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. This means a purposeful desire not to stop your ears and say, la, la, I can't hear you, but to open your ears and open your mind and your heart to the deeper things that must be taught to you so you can reach full age in Christ. A baby must desire to grow up. A young person, a man or a woman, must desire to grow up into full manhood or full womanhood. And just when you think you've achieved that goal, you've raised some children, you've done some things, you've had a job, you've paid some bills, you've dealt with mortgage, you've dealt with debt, you've dealt with all of these different things in life you become part of the church. Now you find yourself getting old. And guess what? There is more to learn and deeper things and now time to meditate upon it. Immaturity is often cloaked in this method of dulling the ears. Well, they will say, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. you got to take me like this or leave me. Or they might say, you can't change me, which is actually true. Only you can be changed by God through the power of his Holy Spirit. But if your ears are stopped, you're not going to get very far a willingness to grow and change. Those who are born again are born to a new food source. The very Word of God that, yes, has milk portions, but indeed it has real, solid food that must be chewed up with real grown-up teeth. The Word of God. The Holy Scripture is indeed hearing the voice of God. How shall a child grow up lest they listen to the voice of their parents? I ask you that in this age. For we see the results of those who say they don't need to hear the voice of their parents. I have watched even in this small town community with shock and awe, people seeing their children going towards something that is dangerous, something that can hurt them, and then say flippantly as they watch this happen, well, they're gonna learn. Their mouth is closed in warning to their children, And in the hardness of their heart, watch them go to fail, be hurt, be burned, be run over by a car in the middle of the street, thinking they'll learn. Well, they may not get another chance because your mouth was closed. So I say to this generation, I say to you grandparents who say, well, it's over for me. I can't speak anymore. They're on their own. I say, Phooey with that, and that's a theological term, which means don't even let yourself think like that. That is immature teaching that lets yourself off the hook of maturing your grandchildren and your children, which, by the way, lets you off from maturing yourself. So I speak to you, young child. I speak to you, teenagers. I speak to you young men, young women. I speak to you who are of middle age. Yes, like me whose middles have grown. I speak to you old people. Grow up. This is a call to learn. If Christ was willing to lower himself to humanity, And learn through suffering. And learn through the death on the cross. And learn obedience. Will you not join him? Will you say it's too late for me, too much for me, over the top for me? I have no more to learn from God. Will you stop? Will you be impaired? Will you be retarded in your growing? by your own lack of will. Growth, maturity is the goal of being born again and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is a reality that an infantile status can come into the church of God Even in the very early church, even in the first century, the Apostle Paul is ministering to a church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth had been gifted in all points with every gift that could be given to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they received these gifts not as in unifying form to bring them all together, to be edified in Christ together, but rather they used them to cause divisions among themselves. Like spoiled children under the Christmas tree, having been given gifts, they each then want a full attention as they play with their fire truck. No, don't watch Sister with her dolly. Watch me with my fire truck. No, she says, I want you to see me how I do the hair on my dolly. No, that's not right. You have to listen to me. And Christmas is ruined. And the presents are adulterated and used for crying rather than used for unifying. And it is to a church like this that is operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this manner that the Apostle Paul speaks to in this wise in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. He says to them, Brethren, notice he doesn't separate himself and say, You Corinthians. You other guys. He says, brethren, you are of my family, the family of God, who are believers and are brothers in Christ. He says, do not be children in understanding. Do not be children in your understanding. Your understanding needs to increase. However, he says, in malice be babes. If you want to be infantile, if you want to be a little baby, if you want to be, in a sense, immature, be immature in the exercise of anger, wrath, and malice, doing evil to other people purposefully. Stop that. Don't learn any more about it. But in understanding, he cries, be mature. I wonder what word that might be. Be grown up. Be a full age. A selfish use of the gift is infantile. It's babyish. The Apostle Paul constantly desired at his highest level for anyone in the church. Growth maturity, understanding, and knowledge. Paul prayed for the churches. Paul prayed for the churches several times throughout his epistles. It's a grand study, and I wish we could take it on even now just to show you the enormity of his God-given care for the growth of the churches. But let me give you just a sample of one prayer to one church body to give you the heart of an apostle, a teacher. It comes in Colossians chapter 1, begins in verse 9. Colossians 1 and verse 9 we read, Paul says, for this reason we also Since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be, listen, filled with the knowledge of his will. That you might be filled. Plerao in the Greek. Filled. Plerao. This means to cram full. You know, ladies, when you're cooking, you know, men, when you're cooking, me and Mark, we cook. Get out of here. It's a manly thing. You ever had to put Crisco in a measuring cup? If you're actually going to get a half a cup of Crisco in that measuring cup, you got to take that spatula and you got to cram it down in there. And if you look up and you see, oh, there's a space in the bottom. What do you got to do? You got to cram that thing down again till that bubble comes out and it's crammed full of Crisco. Now you got a half a cup. If you leave air bubbles, you know what you have? You don't have a half a cup. You have something less. Speaking of the Christian life, if you don't have the full knowledge of his will and you got bubbles in your Crisco, guess what you have? You don't have a half cup. You got bubbles in your Christian understanding of what God's will is, and you need to have somebody cram it down in there. And I think I'm doing that. I think that's my job. And that was what Paul prayed would happen. That you might be crammed full Finished complete, plerao also means that, with the knowledge of his will, how? In all wisdom, not just knowing everything God wants, but doing it wisely. I know I'm supposed to love my brethren, love ya. That's not wisely. It's serving them. But notice even goes farther in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. An understanding that comes through God the Spirit, but particularly through the Word well applied. Verse 10, that you may pay attention here. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Jesus learned and grew to maturity by the things which He suffered. Do you remember he even suffered the indignity of the baptism unto repentance that John the Baptist was giving? John the Baptist came as a forerunner of the king, came as a herald of he shall deliver Israel. He proclaimed the king, he proclaimed repentance to prepare the way of the king. And one day Jesus came and asked to be baptized in a baptism for repentance from sin. And John the Baptist, in a great unrest and absolutely appalled at the request of Jesus Christ, said, Lord, I have need to be baptized by you. You can't ask me to do this. This isn't right. And Jesus said, permit this be so for now. For thus it is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. He learned by the things which he suffered and underwent everything a man should undergo without sin. Is it so startling that he would be baptized for sin when later he would hang on the cross for sin when he had never done one then and he hadn't done one all the way through and at the end he died for all? And learn through that? And would we interrupt that in our own lives, a sharing in the learning that Jesus Christ learned by some modicum, by some itty-bitty, by some slight suffering that we suffer? And let me tell you, it's slight compared to the cross. He cried out with vehement cries. Prayers and supplications. Chapter 5, verse 7. To him who was able to save him from death. And God did not save him from death. God allowed him to die in our place. This is Jesus. This is being a student. This is chewing the gristle of life. And learning, fully pleasing him. What did God say when Jesus came up from out of the water? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him! And now he speaks through the book of Hebrews to a church in 2022. And he speaks to all of us both here in Lewistown and across this nation and this globe. And he calls to us. Will you unstop your ears? Will you prepare yourself to suffer? Will you serve one another in a suffering way? Will you learn who your high priest is and let him lead you to God the Father. How shall this happen? Well, it's the duties of every pastor to feed the flock unto maturity. Paul prayed for the flock that they would grow to maturity, that they would increase in their knowledge and understanding. Paul teaches these words about the role of pastors in the church. He says, And he himself, being God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What for? For the equipping of the saints. To give them the equipment. The things that they need. Listen. Listen. For the work of the ministry. To do what ministry is, one to another and to the world and unto God. For the edifying of the body of Christ. They've been given to build them up, to grow them up, to mature them up, to complete them, to bring them to full age. He says, and this has been given. Verse 13, with a purpose, till we all come, listen, to the unity of the faith. And whenever you see the faith like that, it means the entire body of scriptural knowledge compiled. The faith. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To, here we are, a perfect man. You know what Greek term that is us Christ made perfect. we made perfect, better. Christ matured, completed in his humanity. We us matured, completed in our Christian humanity walk. And we all come to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? Christ, Christ was fully grown. you to grow up fully in Christ that we should no longer, here's the direct parallel to childhood and maturity, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful prodding, plotting, excuse me, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ. We can come to the unity of the faith only by these means. Christ, his word, the word taught, the word preached in churches. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, perhaps the greatest preacher of the 19th century, said of people who refuse to grow up, he said, many people when they hear something a little contrary to what they have usually heard say at once that is not sound he goes on to say and there are some who believe that every man must believe as they believe or else he is decidedly he is decidedly erring and they will hold no christian communion or fellowship with them And then Spurgeon cries out, increase our faith. There's one who thinks he knows everything, and if everyone isn't at the same age that he is at, then he won't talk to them. Well then how shall they grow up? And there's the other that already thinks he knows everything, but he knows nothing. And if he hears anything new, he won't explore it because that's different. I haven't heard that. I can't study that. I already know that. My favorite pastor on my favorite radio station said it was like this, and I will not question it. Then how will you grow up? If none of the things in your doctrinal warehouse are ever tested by anyone else, how can you be sure you're on the right page? Oh, pastor, you're opening up a can of worms. There are so many publications, the five doctrines you need to know. And though they might be true, you need to know them. If that's where you stop, you've stopped as a baby. The problem sometimes with having some of these other little things. You know, and one of the things, you want me to just comment about what I think about some things, let me talk about Bible tracts. Some of those things have been helpful, but mostly not. You know what's better than a Bible tract left in a bathroom? You found them yourself? Yeah, I have two. That's what I call cowardice. You want to talk to people, you talk to people. Your eyes, their eyes, together in love. And don't wrap your tip in it either. Are you asking someone, are you paying someone to listen to God? What are you doing? And the Roman's road is not enough for someone to grow up on. It must be deeper than that. This Christian walk must be more than what it has been, if we're to fulfill what we've just read. It is true that solid food belongs to those who are our full age. And the third sign of progressing in maturity is this. It is a disciplined pattern of exercising your senses, of exercising your senses. We continue in verse 14, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If there's a need in the church today, it's discernment. Being able to tell what's right and what's wrong. What's of God and not of God. What's in the word and its right application and what's not. Only grown-up Christians can do it. That's why you don't like sending out your teenage kids unchaperoned for very long. Because their discernment is in question. Don't you trust me, Mom and Dad? You know what you should say to that? No! Until you're a full age, sorry Benjamin, sorry some of you young teenagers, I don't trust you. And you shouldn't trust yourself. Until you've been tested in the crucible of growing up and suffering. And pray be that you don't have parents that send you out and say, well, they'll learn the hard way, for that is evil. But rather would protect them and say, you look both ways when you cross the street. You don't touch the stove. Get away from that. And you see that young kid out there doing that way? Yes, you will not go to their party. Because I love you. Now come here, pop the popcorn. We're going to watch my favorite movie again. You don't have to do the last part, but... It's a good idea. A disciplined pattern of exercising your senses, who by reason of use, this defines the mature who are progressing in the faith. They're using it. There is a practice They keep doing it again and again. There was a day when I used to worship the path of pride, and my path went straight to the gym. The gymnasium was where I went. That was where I worshiped, and I worshiped one person and one person only, me. And my goal was the worst sort of goal in the entire athletic world. It had no purpose other than to get as large as possible, stand on stage wearing as little as possible, and get as many people as possible to look at you while you do it. You didn't even lift a big weight while you were there. You didn't win against another team while you were there. You were just there alone. It's horrible to think about. But by reason of use... I got there. When you go to the gym, you talk in certain ways. What are you training today? Back and biceps, baby. Back and biceps today. What do you got? Oh, I got leg day. Ooh, leg day. Leg day is always a hard day. Yeah. What you got? Oh, chest and triceps. Okay, here we go. Some of you get me. And then what do you do? Sets and reps, and sets and reps. And some of the guys have been in the gym a long time. You watch them just handle those things so easy. Move that bench press like a beaten heart. Boom, 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 You can tell the novice, he's in there. Whoa, spot me, spot me. Christians need to get pumped up. They need to use their Christian muscles in repetition after repetition with increasing weight so that you can practice moving these heavy arguments and the details of Scripture. The practice of Bible study The repetition of comparing what is said in Christian and secular culture refines the ability to discern by constantly doing it, testing it, trying it. Even Paul called out to the Bereans saying that they were a good and mature people for even what he said, they tested it against the scripture. Why? To see if it be what? So, to see if it be so, to see if it be true, he commended that we may not take things in like a sponge from this pulpit, any pulpit, any source without testing or you are acting like a baby and you're in danger. They have their senses. Notice they use the word senses. That means the ability to make moral decisions and to understand It is the power to discriminate. Are we discriminators? Yes, we are. I don't mean that in the racial sense. I mean it in the sense of determining what is right and what is not right, what is true and what is false, what is good and what is not. If you want me to talk about racism, I'll tell you about it. There's one race, the human race. You all go back to two parents, Adam and Eve. You don't like them, Try Noah and his wife. But they go back to Adam and Eve, so there you are. That's your heritage. So if you're fighting in any other way and discriminating against any other way in which you might look, it's a family fight. Stop. That's oh, for free. That oh, wasn't on the clock. That gives me one extra minute. You know, listen to me. Just just what's your goal in christianity what, what are you aiming for why are you here you know i almost always speak almost for an hour why are you here there are churches who'll give you 15 minutes and you're out baby 20 minute top end with comments i was long pastor more stories Less things to chew on. What's your goal? If in your Christianity, perhaps if I put it in this wise, if you're a mountain climber, what mountain is your goal? What's the one you want to work up to so that you can climb it? And everybody says, Everest. Why? It is the highest mountain. You know, and there's a subset of climbing. These guys who climb things with no equipment. Free climbers. Man, you got to love them. But they don't just go to the highest pinnacle and start. I've decided to be a free climber, so (laughs) that's the biggest one. Here we go. Anybody got chalk? Chalk? You know what they do? They start, they start in a gym oftentimes with those climbing walls. You see those climbing walls? Some of you are like, yeah, I've seen them, but that's crazy. Others of you have done it. They have these little handholds, little footholds. And you see the ones that have been to it before, they, they go up to it and they start looking. Sometimes they're looking at it a long time ago. What, what are you looking at? So I'm making a plan. What do you mean a plan? Well, how am I going to get to the top? Oh, you mean that's how you do it? Yeah. Charting a course. Finding a path. That's the only way you get to the top of the difficult peaks. Is knowing the right path. And planning the way meticulously to reach it. Where are you going in your Christian walk? Are you satisfied today where you are? I mean, seriously, Christian, are you, are you satisfied? Is this it? Is this where you want to be? And right here? Or are you still looking up? Do you still want to see God closer? Do you want to climb the mountain where God is? Do you want to see him in his glory? Are you willing to chart a course? Plan the way there. And exercise yourself unto that. How can you be discerning to get through this life and reach the pinnacle? If you keep stepping in all the pitfalls. Because you didn't plan. The goal is to climb without getting hurt. But if you climb, you will be in danger. You're going to climb up to God. Climbing to God has always been dangerous. Even when he was on his mountain rumbling, he said, don't touch my mountain. Stay away, lest anyone die. Even if the animals come, they will die. But Moses, but Moses brought the law and the law brought people close to God and they were able to see God in a whole new way. And a high priest would lead them And then now there's a new covenant. There's a new great high priest of the order of Melchizedek and he is going to lead his people closer to God than any other age of people have had access. If you don't know the high priest Melchizedek, You'll never make it there. You'll never grow there. You'll never climb to that peak that is available to you. And it must come this way, 1 Timothy 4, 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have, listen, carefully followed he charted the course he's following the path as a good preacher to those in Ephesus Timothy is teaching but reject he says profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself rather to godliness they got to get pumped up here you got to get exercised for bodily exercise profits a little but godliness is profitable for all things having the promise of life that is and of that which is to come. You see, when you're on your Christian walk, you have to be aware that all of these Christian fads and all of these little neat bells and whistles that keep coming down the pike from all these sources on your climb to the pinnacle of God's mountain and Christian maturity, they can seem to you like a rope. You're free climbing. Oh man, my fingers are getting tired. ah, I need a perch just to rest on. Hey, somebody just led down a rope and you know what? It's Christian. And if you grab this rope, you can climb up faster. I'm on it, baby. The purpose-driven life. Let's go. Or it might seem like a ladder. This is even better than a rope. It's a ladder. It's got rungs. All I got to do, it's already made. I do this. I'm to the top of Christian maturity. There we go. Read this book. You're done. But what you're going to find out is that these ropes are frayed and ready to break and will disappoint. They're not full. They're empty. The easy path is no path at all. It leads to a dead end. The ladders, though they seem to be easy to climb, have rotten rungs that will let you down and you will fall. And you know what I have seen is many Christian free climbers have grabbed onto these little things and have suffered a fall in life. And that's why they don't even go to church anymore. Because they have been betrayed by those things which are supposed to be Christian and those places that are supposed to be churches that have not called on them to suffer to study, to chew, and to stay together even if you and your brother in the same church don't agree on all the doctrine. You stay together until you do. Yes, you stay together until you do. That's called loving one another. So if I'm pre-trib and you're post-trib, God love you. And God love me too, that we can love one another. We gotta grow. Paul says to Timothy, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Meditate, ruminate, chew on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. How, Timothy, so that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will you will save. You will save both yourself and those who hear you. What does he mean we could lose our salvation? No, it means you could fall. Remember I said there's people that don't go to church anymore because they have trusted in something that was untrustworthy and they fell? A real rock climber. Suffers his wounds. Gets back up and makes a better plan. Trains harder. He's got to get to the top. Christian, are you satisfied with where you are? Or are you going to the top of Christian maturity? I ask you, will you climb with me? Will you suffer some fear? Suffer some pain? Will you exercise? And together grow. Then we will please God in this. And we will grow up in Christ. It will cause pain. But it will bring a greater glory with every pinnacle you reach. That is closer to God. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's go to the throne with the high priest of the order of Melchizedek. As adults, let's pray. Father God, take these words, your words, some of them harsh, harsh in the sense of reprimand, kind and loving in the sense of drawing us back to you and to learning, and set our feet on the path of growth and maturity, please, O Lord. And take some who are in here who have not yet taken even a baby step and have not yet believed under regeneration, I pray you regenerate their heart and cause them to believe and have faith that they may breathe in the fresh air of salvation and drink the milk of the word of the gospel and then grow thereby. And for us of every age of Christianity, chronologically, Lord, I pray for all of us to desire spiritual maturity. Help us in this endeavor as we know you will For we will simply be obeying your commands. Bless us in that and grow this church in that that we might be a mature church. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen.